Hey, we are back in the Football Sheds, your weekly football podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone like we do. My name's John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Good evening. Roger, you're pointing very aggressively at your bit of paper then. I, sorry, it just forgot to do something. Oh, useless. Me? No, you. Yeah, oh. you forgot to do no, something. No, I remember everything every week, Roger. Like your beer uh, reviews. What's your beer this week? Uh, I have a beer farm IPA. From Western Australia. Wow. No hazy IPAs this week. No Come hazy on. IPA. This one's all right, though. And what's the other That's one? That's your review. Sorry, a genuine sorry, commitment to great beer, great people, and the beautiful land we live on. We believe the future is worth living for. Wow. Bleh. Holy smoke. And a venom pail. Oh, I love a venom. Yeah, yeah. venom's good. Love a, good love beer. a venom. Solid um, beer. Rog, uh, no, Jeff, what are you on? Rum. Just straight rum. Just wow. <laughs> Straight rum. It was originally for the Christmas pudding. I found it in the back of the cupboard. Are you still getting through the cupboard stuff? Well, I was. I just didn't have any time to do anything, so I'm. I'm just like using scraps from my own kitchen. So you've gone full pirate, just straight rum. (laughs) Yeah, it bites. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've gone for my uh, alternative to Aldi red wine, the White Mischief Salted White Peach Sour. Um, from Garage Project. The reason I've done that, though, because usually I drink a bottle of Aldi red wine in here and then I'm a bit dusty the next day at work. Got my grand final of the football tomorrow. Oh, John. Ooh. So I have to be kind of with it. On form. Um, so 6pm tomorrow is the grand final. So oh, watch this space. That's all we'll talk Where, about next week. Can we see the week. highlights? Um, on SBS. SBS. Yeah. Good, good on you, John. <laughs> um, every week we start with a question, but before we do, I'm just going to do a bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something, you can find us on Facebook or just, just search Football Shed um, or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and also don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. And of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us chat. Um, this week's question is actually about the Champions League. Dortmund played PSG this morning and they finished their game this morning with a Front three of a combined age of 55, so three teenagers. What country were they all born in? England. Correct. So yeah. Dortmund finished up front with Erling Haaland, who was born in Leeds. Isn't one of them American? Jaden Sancho, who was born in London. And then Giovanni Rayner, who's... 17 and 60 days. Born in Sunderland, isn't he? Born in Sunderland. Well, I was going to say he's the son of... Claudio Reyna. Yes. American footballer. Yeah, They've yeah. All got, they're all the son but of someone. I mean, you know what I mean, the son of someone. But Arlen's <laughs> the son of Arlen, oh, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, Sancho, not that. Sancho's probably got a dad. But, um, probably. Probably, probably his name was Sancho. <laughs> uh, so Reyna settled in the UK then, obviously, after playing. No, him. I just think it might have been just born at the time he was playing in Sunderland. Ah, uh, true. But I thought it was quite amazing that the front three were all English. If only they just declared. Well, apart from Sancho, he's great. But, but do you think we can just like claim Harland? He's, claim no, he's played for wherever, Maybe. hasn't he? Where is he from? Norway. Norway. He's played for Norway. But Rainer hasn't played yet. Do you think he would have been funny about signing? You know, all the talk was he was going to go to Man United. Yes. I like it's one of my iconic football memories is the Roy Keane tackle on Alfingi Harland. His dad. Yes. Surely you'd be aware of that. Well, I and think would that, that not make you the... a little bit suspect about signing for I that team? I genuinely think that came into the consideration because his dad's his agent or part, like, works closely with him. And I think he might have just gone, don't play for that club. Yeah, like, bunch of knobs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <it broke> my <laughs> leg. yeah, it does come into it. Have you heard that story, uh, sorry, digress, digress <laughs> early on. Have you heard that story about Ida Good Johnson signing for Chelsea? I think I told you this, John. Yeah, you did. Ida Good Johnson signed for Chelsea, and this is back in the days before there was a transfer window, right? So managers, before there were transfer committees and transfer windows, and managers just called you up. And Viali was the manager of Chelsea at the time. So Viali calls up Good Johnson, says, I want to sign you, and uh, like starts bigging up the club and whatever. But Ida Good Johnson's dad played against Viali as a player and swapped shirts with him at the end of a match. And Idegard Johnson's dad gave a young Idegard Johnson Viali's shirt. So as soon as he gets a phone call on his phone from Viali, he's just like, 
holy shit, your Gentle shirt <laughs> your shirt has been on my wall my whole life. And he said he could have said anything. He could have gone, you are the sixth choice balloon carrying like water boy. And he goes, I would have signed for that club. Is it potentially the original false nine? Good oh, Johnson. Maybe. Yeah. He was he was a false nine. He was a really. false nine. I oh, thought he was really good. Not, Smart I mean, footballer. He, he wanted to play up front. Like he he was a striker, but he was a striker who was endlessly played in midfield. Yeah, but I feel he dropped back into midfield a lot from the number nine stereotypical number nine position, and he was all about bringing other players into the game. But I don't think that was that that wasn't ever his game. That that was that was where he was played. It's one of those one of those stories where a player is sometimes better in a position a manager finds finds them as opposed to where they prefer to play. I think Ida Johnson liked to play centre forward, but he was always in a team where there were better centre forwards. He was originally played with Hasselbank at yeah. uh, Jimmy Floyd at Chelsea, and then when Hasselbank left, it was it Crespo and Mutu and you know yeah. other that whole first kind of swath of, yeah. of Chelsea big big monies, and then he went to Barcelona. And he wasn't going to play centre forward for Barcelona. I think Etu was there at the time, yeah. so he was never going to play in his best position because he was playing at clubs where he wasn't the best. But he always played best as a centre forward. But yet he was so good that they always found room for him in the, in the midfield. Towards his last year at Chelsea, he played. Sorry, I'm really going you off. Know, on yeah, one. no, uh, he really always lot. played deep midfield. And you're thinking you, you're yeah. you're a centre forward who has centre forward instincts, and Jose Mourinho is playing you as almost like a defensive uh, inside to out. Midfielder, madness, really. It was good, though. It was very good. Um, let's move on to the premier. That was a bit of a Ida Johnson information. <laughs> a homage for Ida Johnson. For all our Icelandic <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, this week was the second week of the winter break. So again, we've got a broken down few. There's six games this week, more than the three last week. Um, but we feel like we've got to start this week with the news that Man City have been banned from the Champions League for two years. Now, Jeff, you have something you wanted to say on this. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Um, I think I'll start with my conclusion. I'll work backwards. Okay. They're fucked. Yeah, nice. Good Man thing. City are fucked. Yeah. Now, they... Every, like You have to be living under a rock. The fact that you're listening to a football podcast means you know exactly what happened. So I'm not going to go into the details about you know, their ban or, or whatever. Um... However, we talk about precedent being set before. So they have been found in breach of the UEFA rules. Now they've not, and I think this is an interesting distinction that we have to talk about first up, they've not been found in breach of financial fair play. No. They've been found in breach of declaring finances. They basically lied. 100%. So the, I heard on a... Well, they were found guilty of breaching financial fair no. No. No, 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 but pre- that's obviously a... That's been, wasn't that a separate issue? No, so what? What? Like what not they have been, this one. Their, this punishment is a result of them lying about where their income comes from. So when they declare their financial records, they have been falsified. But weren't they pre this one? Weren't yeah, they a also long time be, ago. Yeah, yeah. weren't they also yeah. being investigated for financial fair play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but this charge, and the reason why this charge is so extreme, is because it's not about financial fair play. You know. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it is about financial fair play, kind of. Someone described it on a rival podcast I thought it was a good explanation, was that if you get a speeding ticket, you pay the fine. If you get a speeding ticket and because you don't want to get the points, you say it was your partner or whoever else was in the car at the time and they got it, and then you get found out that you were lying about the speeding ticket, you go to jail. It's that That's what they've done, is they've pretended to be someone else. Yeah, now this is... I'm I'm reading and I'm hearing a lot of um, football reaction to this. Now, obviously, they are a football they're a football team, and and I get that. But I do think that this, of course, they're going to appeal. We know they're going to appeal, but they are going to appeal because they cannot find themselves in a position where they admit that this is what has happened, because there are legal ramifications that go beyond football. If you are a registered business in the United Kingdom and you falsify your financial records, not only that, but you falsify your financial records to hide the fact that a foreign government, a foreign royal family are funneling money through your British registered business to filter into the British economy. Then the Tory party love you. (laughs) Yeah, then the Tory party, you make a a fair point. Then that, you know, people go to prison for that. That's the thing. This is is a genuine financial crime. Now, yes, the, the the Judiciary Committee... So if you don't know how the UEFA financial fair play system works, there it's a body that... Um, it's an 
acronym, pardon me, the Club Financial Control Body, the CFCB. Now, that is made up of two different, um, a, a judiciary and a, um, an investigative branch, investigatory branch. So the investigatory branch, is that the right word? Invest, investigatory, yeah. yeah. They do the investigations and they yeah. pass on their recommendation to the judiciary. The judiciary dish, out, dish out the, the punishment. Yeah. So they are two independent branches. Now, don't get me wrong, they're part of the same thing, but they're meant to be completely independent. The judiciary, they are made up of very, very esteemed legal representatives. Yeah, they're all like QCs. They're all stuff. QCs. They're yeah. independent QCs of different countries, you know, who are employed by an independent branch to dish out a punishment based on evidence that's provided to them by another independent branch. So this isn't really UEFA. Now, I will get, I will get onto part a... part of UEFA. It, so I still kind of don't trust it. Well, I, and I'll get on to why, you know, Man City's defence, there is some foundation to Man City's defence. We'll, we'll get there. So it has been investigated and proven to the point where they've said to their judiciary committee, you need to choose the punishment. And they've gone, okay, well, you have misrepresented extremely your finances on a registered document. Now, because Which, of that... It was sponsorship of the stadium or something, was it? Or yeah, so supposedly the Etihad sponsorship, six million came from Etihad, the rest came from the Crown Prince. That was it leaked in a document. But not only that, it, when Etihad were the airline were... Um, canvassing the US for airspace to fly their planes into the United States, they were trying to prove that they weren't a huge threat to American Airlines and United. So United went to the FAA or FDA or whatever it is in the United States, sorry if I don't know the acronym, the air people, yeah. saying that um, you know these people coming in, these are bad for business. And so Etihad came and they said, well, actually, no, no, look, we're not that rich. We're, we're not that much of a threat. And in the documents that they filed with the airline people in the United States, it actually said the Crown Prince takes care of that sponsorship. That is not a representation of how much money Etihad has. That is in a separate document. Mm. So, that there so are, that's pretty damning. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. It's a separate, separate to football. Yeah. Now, so there are, there are, there's a lot of evidence that says that this is the case. However, if Manchester City accept the fine, they're accepting the judgment. If they accept the judgment, they are breaking the law. And breaking the law in England, not breaking the football law, not breaking the rules, they are literally breaking company house laws. That is a huge problem for a business entity. So, of course, you're talking about being expelled from the Champions League or expelled from the Premier League or all of these kind of football concerns. If you're a businessman and you work for Manchester City, you just simply can't, def you, you can't accept this. So, Manchester City's defence, I'm going to call it Trumpian. <laughs> right is, is that an official term yet? yeah yeah where you go okay well the person accusing me is a cunt you just it's, lie louder yeah you just go you just go it's biased you're all pricks yeah you're do you know what i mean you, yeah, you go, yeah. you're all lie it's all a sham rigged fake news fake media it's all against me and you just keep on shouting about it right that is that that is their defense so then you look at other instances where uefa has got involved in the club's finances in europe right so psg galatasaray uh ac milan They've all fallen foul of UEFA rules and been punished in different ways. Now, there is a, a an amount of discretion UEFA can show. So this, this um, uh, investigative committee can show discretion. They're allowed to show as much discretion as they can. If you have three years worth of poor finance, but you show them that your next year you've planned ahead to go, oh, it's bad now, but we're going to do better, and this yep. is the plan we have to, to tidy our books up, they can say, cool. They can actually look at a five-year plan yeah. and say, yes, like they did with PSG. You know, PSG, when they, um, when they bought Neymar and Mbappe in the same year, but Mbappe was on loan. Yeah. UEFA went to PSG and went, we know what the fuck you're doing. You are, you are trying to rort this system. But PSG worked with UEFA and went, look, this is our books. This is how we're trying to make this work. We get the rules. We're trying to work within your framework. They worked so closely together that now the PSG, the, the um, what's his name, the, the guy from Qatar on their board of directors is now on the UEFA board of directors because of the relationship he built during the, the process. Now, I look at your face, Rogers. This does get worse from a UEFA perspective. Look at Galatasaray, right? Galatasaray were being done for the same thing as Man City, really, but said, it's okay, next year, next year, trust me, look, this is our financial plan. But then next year, they were still a complete shambles and UEFA went, okay, look, we gave you discretion, we gave you another year. But the difference is, in all of these instances, the clubs worked with UEFA. They worked together to try and get to a conclusion where it wasn't a Trumpian defence. It wasn't, it's all rigged, it's all a sham, you're all against me. But that right. would be an admission of guilt. I mean, and what you're saying exactly is that Man right. City can't, can't afford do that. To but I do, 
I, there is a little bit of this to me. I mean, we keep talking about it, but I just feel like Man City will not be the only ones doing this. There are a huge number of probably the major teams in Europe who, you know, I look at Real Madrid are in huge debt, but they're essentially propped up by the Spanish government. And, you know, in Barcelona to the same extent. So some of the biggest teams in the world are essentially founded on debt. And I feel like if you put them under the same amount of scrutiny, there would be a whole lot of dodgy stuff. Mm. So I can, I mean, I can see why Man City now, are angry. I want to I just highlight something, right? So you look at Man City's argument and you go, okay, just like you can look at Trump's arguments. Is it rigged? You know, you have to be slightly objective and not just go, you know, you, you guys fucked up, take yeah. it on the chin. So the not with Trump anymore. So the executive board currently sitting on the UEFA, UEFA executive board is made up of one, two, three, four, five people. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Rick Perry. You know who Rick Perry is? Did he make um Wasn't no, he an Fred American Perry. senator or something? UEFA investigatory panel of Club Financial Fair Play, former Liverpool chief executive. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. David Gill. Non-executive chairman of Manchester United, UEFA treasurer. Nasser Al-Khalifi, CEO of Paris Saint-Germain, on the UEFA executive board. Jacob Beltran, UEFA financial control body, member of the Madrid Council who bankroll Real Madrid. (laughs) This is good. Andrea Agnelli, chairman of Juventus on UEFA executive committee. Wow. So they're, they're, they're the ones deciding on the punishment. These are the people on the executive committee of UEFA. Now, I'm not going to... They, these don't, they don't, don't decide, decide the punishment. punishment. No. Right. But UEFA employ the independent judiciary and investigative branch who then do decide the punishment. These guys give those people jobs. Yeah, so yeah. how could they not... To me, there's a vested interest. And that's... So there's not transparency. Like, that's... I mean, and we know what FIFA are like. Like... FIFA just make me feel gross they're even worse than UEFA but UEFA are a, a similar beast and I think that I think it's very likely that Man City have done something wrong they have and they, you know, just, they have They have. Well, I think we can say it's yeah. fact they've, they've broken the rules that are there and they deserve to be punished they've broken that. the law right? they've broken the law they've broken court. well it's corporate law and I mean I think there's a lot wrong with corporate entities and corporate law in general like none so but anyway like it's <laughs> It's a different podcast. Um, it's a different podcast, but I, you know, they have they have done something wrong. But I think it is harder to have faith in the process when all the same people. When you start, you know, drilling down into it, there's murky water, and there's all the same people always pop up, and they're all involved in it, and they're all making lots of money, and it it just it makes me feel gross whereas we should be going you know what this is great there's a process there's a body they've they've broken the rules punish them bang but with all this murky stuff that goes with it it actually i don't feel sympathy for man city but it kind of it just makes me just go with with man city they're the perfect new money club to attack because they have money coming in from uh, a state basically and all the big clubs, the, the clubs you've listed off, the, the Juventus, the yeah. Liverpools, the Man—they're the established elite. Man City are like the lottery winners that come and turn up. They're the ones that turn up on the Titanic and the rich bit, and everyone talks the noisy neighbours. Yeah, and go, oh, the, you haven't got old money. You got new money. We don't trust you. And it makes the UEFA kind of financial fair play. They can make an example of someone and go, yep, yeah, we chuck you out. We've ruined you. We've and see, we're doing everything above board. We've got everything under control whilst protecting the historic clubs that have been yeah, there for years. You question whether looking at that executive board, whether that would happen. This would happen to Juventus or to United or to Liverpool. I mean, I would, without passing dispersions on them, I would argue no, it wouldn't. Well, although Juventus did cheat, and Juventus got relegated down to yes. Serie. B or even yeah. C, yeah. and they yeah. had their titles stripped off them. Yeah, so you, you're right. That that did actually happen. I can't tell you whether this bloke was a board member. Probably the resolution of that. <laughs> we need to get closer to UEFA, just like yeah. PSG. You know, this bloke was was nothing to UEFA apart from how he handled the PSG scenario. UEFA saw him as an asset for the UEFA business, which I think is a complete disgrace. Yeah. However, when the water is so murky. And Manchester City choose their defence is to highlight the murky water. What it does is it it really muddies the situation. Yeah, as I said, it's a Trumpian defence. There, there is a there is a part of Man City's defence that is real. What that distracts from is the fact that there is evidence that say they not they didn't 
break financial fair play. We know that they did, but that's not what they're being punished for. They didn't break financial fair play. They literally lied about their accounts they to the governing body. They business accounts, essentially. Exactly, yeah. exactly right. Now, you can't say... Uh, they also choose to be a member of UEFA. That They've chosen to abide by the rules of this governing body. So if they say that it's rigged and it's, it's all against them, then choose to not be part of that body. I, you know, I don't choose to be a Boy Scout because I don't like having my cock fiddled. They can't choose to not be, be part of UEFA. Why not? Why not? They, they, this is this is the thing. They choose to be part of a footballing body. Yes, they they want to make this money and whatever, but essentially you abide by the rules of the club you play for, of of the you know club you're involved in. That club is UEFA. You abide by those rules. Otherwise, do something else. So what my question is, what ha- Man City are going to appeal? Obviously, mm. I think that's a given. They just they're, have to. They have. They're not going to accept it. They'll. Uh, what happens if they appeal? Goes to court of arbitration. Um, Does it all just go away for no? Like it doesn't. Years, now, though? usually the court of arbitration, you know, statistically, it's like a ninety percent chance that they meet in the middle. But this won't be good enough for Manchester City. So usually, what happens at the court of arbitration is, is they go and they say they tell the court of arbitration all of the evidence is given from you from the judiciary committee of the. Financial fair play people, whatever that acronym is, I'm so sorry, I can't remember. Um, gets given to the court of arbitration, then Man City give all of their evidence of why original evidence wasn't real. Court of arbitration look and they they go, well, hmm, interesting. Perhaps the punishment was too harsh, or they meet in the middle. And as I say, ninety percent of the cases they meet in the middle. They don't say exonerated. What they say is, oh, okay, a bit off. But the thing is, even meeting in the middle is an admission of guilt from Manchester City. Because meeting in the middle accepts that money came in that was not declared. So then okay. future charges could follow. If still, if Exactly that. right. Yeah. So going on to the football, do they get thrown out of the Champions League this year? Well, the, his, uh, Manchester City have that strategic question that they can ask themselves. It's up to them. Okay. Now, I say that because what can... So the, are, they have two choices, right? They can either go, okay, we're going to appeal right now. Before we see all this evidence, we're going to go. We're going to appeal because we know this process. We've been going through it for for two years or however long this thing's been going on at the back. We've been providing the evidence. We're going to appeal. By doing that, they appeal can be rushed and it can be either successful or can fail this year, which means that they get it over and done with. Now, there's a chance that if they appeal and cast say that we will meet in the middle, it could only be one year. If that's the case, for footballing reasons, they have a chance of keeping all their players and keeping Pep and all of these football yeah. connotations. But as I said, that's an admission of legal guilt, which yep. is a huge problem for but Manchester City. But they won't City. rush it. They'll, they'll. I, I mean, no. I think the way they'll try and control it is that they push anything. They'll try and get one year, but they'll try and push it back to next year. So they'll want certainty this season, mainly that they're going to finish within in the Champions League. But the, they'll still try and win the Champions League. I but guess, then here's but, the here's the problem. So so if they chose to do that, they they have the right to choose to wait for all this evidence to be submitted. Then they have a legal window for which they can appeal, and then they can provide their own evidence. They can drag this out for nine months, right? By doing so, they're in the Champions League next year. You know, it's a suspended sentence until it's until it's yeah. given down. But for footballing reasons, so he says, for footballing reasons, you yeah. might be able to keep a team together if it's reduced to one year. For footballing reasons, if you are a player that Manchester City tries to sign, and Manchester City say, "Oh no, it's it's cool, we did everything right," but there is a chance that you're going to sign from this football club and be banned for Europe for two years. You know, as a player, you wouldn't go to that club with that hanging over your head. If it was, we're banned this year, but next year we'll sign you a five-year deal. We're banned this year, but next year it's going to be great. You know, mm. like AC Milan was signing players when they were yeah. down. If you wait till next year, then this is a three-year window where they are footballing-wise pretty fucked. Yeah. So yes, they can hold it out and they can be belligerent about it, but I don't think that from a footballing perspective they gain anything from doing that. Well, let's go to the actual football. And in in my head, Man City are out of the Champions League, and it means Sheffield United can get in. That's what I concluded. <laughs> Not Man United. From all of that information, um, is that Sheffield United can get in the Champions League? Wouldn't that be great? Um, but what it does open it up, it means, in theory, when we don't know the ins and outs yet, that if you come fifth this year, you could get into the Champions League, which means that anyone from Southampton—they're <laughs> only nine points off fifth. Um, you got to say um, upwards could come fifth. What also it also means? Well, but Chelsea are only one point ahead of Spurs. That's not. Yeah, exactly. And only fourth. two points ahead of Sheffield United. In fourth. Yeah. So I think it's fourth and fifth now. Like yeah, they're up for grabs. Yeah. And then it also means that every game last week, 
had people that could get into the Champions League playing, which I think is brilliant. It's just blown the league wide open. Do you know, John, I could feel it. I know it sounds yeah. like the you know a weird footballing thing to say, but you could feel like people gave more of a shit this weekend than they did two weekends ago. There was, was a sudden like, oh, have we gone on a run? Exactly right. But I, th- I think the way, the only thing to me that's really changed is that there might be two places up for grabs now rather than one. Because I think particularly with the way that results have turned out and kind of what we expected, Chelsea have come back to the pack mm. a bit. And so now fourth, even forgetting fifth, yes, fourth, fourth is, is really up for grabs. So I guess moving on, staying so, on the football, you say Chelsea have come back to the pack. Obviously United won 2-0, John. Yes. You, I watched a lot of that game, yes. right? Were Chelsea unlucky? Yeah, we were awful. <laughs> first, like, there, there is no way Man United deserved to win that game. First <laughs> half an hour, I thought Chelsea looked brilliant. Yeah. They played really well. Like, uh, uh, Kova, Kovacic, Kovacic was really good. I want to say Kovacevic. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was really good. It was like running the show. They look, you know, they're pinging the ball around, and I was like, "What? Oh, Chelsea look, Chelsea look really good." They just can't put the ball in the net. No. And when no. they do, it's offside by a whisker. That Giroud goal was oh. just brilliant. It wasn't a goal, but On, it was brilliant. Giroud. So Chelsea, we've talked about Frank Lampard. Is he any good? Is he not very good? Um, the lineup that they played against Man United. FYI, he's not very good. Yeah, I probably agree. Um, but the <laughs> lineup they. The lineup they played against um, Man United was all the old guys, apart from Reese James and right back. They had like Willian started, Pedro started, Kovacic, Kante, Jorginho midfield. It was a very sorry team. Bash- Bashui, um, and they play, he started Bashui up front. Why is he not playing Giroud? I don't understand. He's obviously kind of panicked a little bit and he's gone, we need the older guys, we need a bit of experience, we need to get results. Well, Abraham's but, injured. G- Abraham's injured, but Giroud's a World Cup winner that as soon as... He, he did two things as soon as he came on. One brilliant touch through his legs that set up mm. someone and one brilliant finish. And he did that in 20 minutes. And his hold-up play was excellent when he came on. As soon as he got the ball up front, like there was a sense of calm. I said that he's not going to lose it, he's not going to get muscled, and he will play a good pass that will feed in a player. Yeah. I felt it every time he touched and it. And they've got other players there with some pace. Yeah. But I just, and I don't, and they certainly have players on the bench that come on and give that. But, I, I you know, watching Bashuai, he just looks like a guy that is shorn of confidence. Mm. Like there's a couple of times, he had a really good chance when he put just wide, like the sort of curler, um, low curler from just yes. inside the box. And to me, you would expect a striker. You know, a, a striker is challenging for the top four of the Premier League should hit the target with that. Mm. And to me, he just doesn't look confident. And I'm like, what? what is he bringing? Abraham's out. What is he bringing to this Chelsea team that Giroud's not? And if anything, I'd start them the other way around. I would have started with Giroud. And then if he's tired and you want someone to come on and run for a bit with a bit of pace towards the end, bring Bashuai on. But I just, I mean, I... Yeah, I, I looked at that, and that was their what they didn't do when they were on top. They didn't score, and then United go down the other end with their first decent attack and score. But but going back to why I think Man United should never have won that game, VAR played a huge role in this game. Um, the first, um, I'm not going to remember. Do you now. want to talk about VAR? No, not really. But it's, it's more. But it's such, it had such an effect on this game because it meant the offside for Giroud. It meant the goal that was um, disallowed because there was the push in the back. Um, I can't remember. What, what did you think about that? Because that was the so, Zuma goal, Kurt Zuma yeah, goal. Yes, so Kurt Zuma goal. Fred um, pushes Azpilicueta, who pushes someone else, um, Brandon Williams, and he falls over. When you watch the replay straight away, you go, oh, that's definitely a foul. When you watch it back again, you go, Fred has nudged him. But has Fred nudged him in a shoulder barge, which you're more than happy to do, as Pulicetta goes in with two hands and knocks him over. So I would disallow that goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no... But what I couldn't understand, this is one of the issues of VAR, is that, you know, people are watching this in minute detail somewhere that are qualified referees and that should know about football. Mm. And I just... In, the, in that one, I could not fathom how they've watched the same thing as me. Now, if you're sort of getting ready to go up for the ball or you're on the move and someone shoves you in the small of your back, yep. which is what happened to Azpicoleta. So it yep. was a sort of... Um, it was a shoulder a barge. A shoulder barge, yeah. but it wasn't shoulder to shoulder. No. It was a shoulder in the Into small of his back. Now, you 
it's one of those things people you know you see people do it in the playground or something when yeah. you're kids and it makes someone look like a dickhead because you completely lose your balance and you stumble forwards you yeah. just can't help it it's like a natural reaction and that is exactly what as Pukaleta did and there's a player sorry in- Rog Say his name. As a Pukaleta. <laughs> and your natural reaction in that instant is to put your hands up because otherwise his face is going to go into the back of the player in front. So it's like a self-preservation thing. You put your hands up yeah. and then, of course, he's gone into him. Now, to me, like, yeah, initially I was like, oh, there's a shove. And then you see it and you're like, oh, hold on. No, that's not a shove. Someone shoved him into the other person. Then, therefore, that's not a foul. Like, I just cannot understand how a ref has watched that and gone, mm, actually, no, disallow that. Was it a red card for Maguire kicking him in the bollocks? Yes. Now, yeah. well, here's the thing, right? <laughs> I hated the Sun one. So yep. this is why it's got all the debate, because Sun essentially got sent off for essentially the same action. Yeah. Now, the thing I hated about that was, um, I think that was Kurt Zuma as well. On the, yeah. He was on the receiving end of the Sun one. Now, Sun was very silly. You just you don't kick out. You yeah. just don't do it. But I hate players that dive. We want I can rant about it forever. Yeah. We know that. And part of why Sun got sent off was the simulation effect. Yeah. But and then this this just sort of proves my point or makes me hate it even more because I think what happened in this instance is the guy that the Batshuayi that, that Maguire's kicked. He didn't roll around in the same way no. that Zuma did. He shouldn't have and to. So, he got kicked in the nuts. But that's what I'm saying. It should just be that able to like, look at anyone that, in the yeah. room and go, I got kicked in the nuts. That's what I mean. It's the same offence and he shouldn't do it. Therefore, the outcome should be the same. So you either give no card or you give the same card. Not because one player's fallen over and rolled around, red card, and because one player hasn't, it's not a card. So there's it, uh, wrong I, wrong decision. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's... to. If you want my honest opinion on it, mm. I don't think a player should get sent off for it because it's not hurt them in no. either instance. They haven't come. There's been Neither no, no injury, yeah. no pain. They're fine. Yes, it's stupid. You're an idiot. Maybe a yellow card. Let's move on. Stop being girls. But in today's football environment, the way it is, you can't do it. No, I, I agree. And I think I got over that when David Beckham kicked Simeone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you... You, you didn't really touch him. You didn't really touch him, but it didn't matter because David Beckham made a choice. It was petulant. What, what were you, was that Euro... It was World uh, Cup 98. 98. Mm. David Beckham made a choice to petulantly flick his leg. And it doesn't matter what simulation happened on the other, happened on the other side, David Beckham made a choice. Yeah. And that means that he deserves the punishment. And it took me a while to be cool with that However, I look at what Maguire did and I think he made a choice too. He, he lashed out. He might not have known that he was there perfectly to get him in the nuts. I'm not yeah. saying, not like Beckham going, well, he knew he was walking by and he's going to do what he can. But I do think that he made a choice to make an unnatural movement to affect another player. So no matter what the simulation or not, I'm sorry, it's, it's a sending off. But what um, now? So I think Chelsea were quite good and unlucky. But for, as a Man United fan, did you have any optimism for the way that United played or any of their play like Bruno Fernandes, Fernandes, Bruno great Fernandes assist, was, was very good and offered a bit more creativity it was nearly scored a great free kick yeah and it was obvious that he's great at dead balls um but also that um when he gets on the ball something happens so often with our midfield you get it and you go oh McTominay Fred Crap! <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, they're all trying this to give one. the ball to someone else. You need yes. someone who like actually wants to pass. Well, Bruno Fernandez gets the ball and goes, "Oh, I'll make something happen." So that was really good. Um, I thought Harry Maguire, apart from kicking a guy in the bollocks, had a very good game. Great header, great goal. proper slabhead mm. header that one. Um, and he looks like he's growing into that role as captain of Man United. Um, so I thought that was good. Um, Brandon Williams keeps playing well. Wan-Bissaka keeps playing well. His cross for Martial's header was really good. Really good header too. By um, and then, signing of the century, Agarlo came on and almost scored. Looks massively fat. <laughs> He's so overweight. It's almost like a reality, Such a bizarre reality TV. It is. Comic, yes. you know, he's a Man United fan. It's, yeah. like, it's like, this is... Who He's, should we? Who's, it's like there's been a fan vote on yeah. like with a list of who should we sign this week? Fans. He's won this weird Chinese lottery <laughs> yeah. where he gets, he gets shipped over and with his noodle partner. But what? Like aside from those moments, like how did you know? What, what about well, the way? If Solskjaer is the long term plan, what about the way you played? Okay, we didn't play very 
Interestingly, we just played on the counter-attack. It's the first time we've done the double over Chelsea since 1987-88 season. Yeah. So in that whole time, it's the first time we've done the double over them. But Man United at the moment, under Ollie, beat Chelsea, beat Man City, get points. We're the only team to take points off Liverpool this season. Brilliant against all the big teams. When it comes to teams, we just can't break them down. Um, so nothing changes. Kind of related to the... Man City thing, if Pep goes, whatever happens, probably the person they're going to go for right now is Pochettino. Because there's probably not anyone in the market that you kind of go play similar, kind of go in. If Man United sat here this time next season with Man City top of the league under Pochettino and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in charge and they're ninth, you've got to look at it and go, what are you doing? Mm. You need to go and grab. When there's an opportunity... To get a good player or a good manager, get them. Otherwise, you end up with Solskjaer and Igalo. It is like someone getting hair plugs two years too late. Yes, just but give up. Everyone's accepted that you are bald. Yeah. And then suddenly you rock up with hair. Yeah. But, mate, I've known you for too long and that is not real. For all the doom and gloom, and I'd like to use this to segue to just as a discussion point, they'll take us on to some of the other games. Yeah. But you are only three points off fourth. Oh, no, it's brilliant. But now, it's a massive accident. It is. <laughs> but at the start of the year, I think everyone at Man United would have taken fourth. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right? And it's and it leave, it's just sort of... I was actually thinking about Arsenal with this because I was looking at the teams and I was thinking, well, United have been awful and they've played some turgid football and I have no faith in um, Ollie and the future of Man United, which is great. Long may it continue. But... <laughs> You know, they're probably, you're probably just about satisfied with where you are, even if you're not necessarily satisfied with about how you've got there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're all right. You know, at this point in the season, you look at the table, you look at the points, you're okay. I think Spurs are probably the same, particularly with how things unraveled a bit this year. You know, that they're now, if they beat the massive game for them at the weekend against Chelsea, you know, if they win that, all of a sudden they're in the top four. You'd say the same about Everton. We'd say the same about Everton. So I think all, but the one. That at least looking at the table, there's not that many points and it could change, is Arsenal in the in terms of expectations of the so-called big teams, mm. have Arsenal underachieved more this year massively than anybody? And massively, and also there's heat on Oli, there's heat on Jose Mourinho, there's heat on Frank Lampard. Oh, Arteta, he's good, isn't he? They're, they're <laughs> I love that you ball. hate Arteta. Yeah. He's got a plan. Look at him with his great plan. They're 10th. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I look at that. and Because it's kind of like, because Arsenal had a good result, obviously. They won 4-0. Mm. Um, they won 4-0 against Newcastle they won in, all in the second half. And yeah, and Newcastle had some chances to yeah, so, so, Sorry to jump on you. I will, I will let you go. But the, the good result has massively been overstated. They they won four 0 against Newcastle. They scored, you know, the fourth goal came in the X minute plus four, and all of these stats that follow this game up, you know, like the Ozil goal. Have you have you heard this? Or like forty seven uh, passes. Yeah, the of... most passes that any Premier League sides had before a goal, where it touched every member of the squad. Oh my God, it's dream football. I mean, look, if that was their plan. If they went out from back and went, okay, right, guys, we're going to fuck with these. We're going we're gonna to make sure that everyone gets a touch before we tap it in. Yeah, great. I'll pay it. But actually, Ozil didn't know he scored that until he yeah. scored that. But yet, it's our It sounds ball, like it? the Arsenal, you know, marketing department. Right? 100%. But I just, I mean, I say so the, the question I had, I suppose, was where if Arsenal at the start of the year, there's obviously been a bit of change happening at Arsenal. Mm. Um, but... Where do you think they expected to finish this year? Top I think four. it's a, it's a weird one in that I don't think any of the big clubs they'd probably try and lie to you, but I think in their heart of hearts, all of them thought that the league was between two teams this yeah, year. Yeah, hundred percent. So does so? You, but you think Arsenal would, would have looked at themselves and gone, "We should be finishing top four. Yes, because there was second year of Emery. They spent seventy odd million on Pepe. They've got one of the best strikers in the league in Aubameyang. Lacazette's not a bad backup. They bought some defenders. The David Luiz is crap, but um, and they bought Tierney in, um, and they, I like in theory. I still I've said this all season. I like Arsenal squad. I think they've got some good players. I've written down a bunch of their. They started Nick, Nick, what's his name? Nick, Nikita. 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 Thank Nikita, you, everyone. Yeah. 
Um, Sabados played Pepe's good Saka, the left back. Yeah, really I like good. Saka. Um, How old is he? He's still a kid, isn't he? Saka? Seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen. Callum Willock, Martinelli. Yeah, like there's, there's, there's definitely talent, and they're they are only. I know I'm saying this right because it's mainly because I looked at the table and I saw Arsenal, but they're only six points off fourth. Yeah, so I think no, but Arsenal should not be two points behind Everton. Arsenal have twice the squad. And I say that as someone who has an affinity to, to Everton, but you look at the world-class players in Everton's first team and it's, it, it pales in comparison to the world-class players in, in Arsenal's squad. It just it, the, Everton would start Lacazette up front as a star player yeah. and, and sometimes he doesn't get in the Arsenal side. So I think Arsenal being where they are in reference to a league that we see it is problematic for Arsenal. They're on the same points as Burnley. Like mm. Burnley's best player is Chris Wood, who's a lump. But And I kind of feel like Tenth is a at this point in the year. It's a fair reflection of Arsenal's season. Mm. And then I think the thing is, like for Everton, there's a lot more optimism there because you changed your manager. Like if you looked at this table, you know, nine games ago. Holy crap! Yeah. And so now you're on the up, and so there's sort of there's a lot of um, momentum. Yeah, momentum and reasons to to feel positive. Whereas Arsenal have been middling about tenth for the whole year, despite a change. On that point, Roger, there's a. Perfect segue that I don't think you realise, but Arsenal play at Everton next week. Oh. There you go. That's um, a massive game, John. Whilst we're on that game, predictions? Arsenal are at home. I'm I'm Everton. What what makes you say that? So as, a, as, a, as someone without an affiliation to either of those clubs, what gives you that logic? Ancelotti versus Arteta. Ancelotti's a better coach than Arteta. So Ancelotti will get a win in that game and Arteta won't know how to... Counteract. What do, you know, do you know? It's interesting you say that because Angelotti had an interview this week where he was talking about footballing ethics. Did you, yeah, read, no, you read this? He was saying that he doesn't think any club should have a footballing style. Yeah. Okay. He says if you have a footballing style, you are restricted to that style. You should have five styles. You, yeah. you, should, you should have a style for when you're losing, a style for when you're winning, a style for when you're two 0 down, and you should be able to change the way you play football depending on your situation. And if you are rigid to a to an ethos or an you know, if you are playing pep ball, for yeah. example, then as we know, you know, we how many times have we said someone X, whoever it is, has no plan B? Yeah. What he's saying is you shouldn't even have a plan A. You should you should be responsive to your situation, and you shouldn't have a club. Ethos, yeah. You should be dynamic, and so it's interesting that you say Ancelotti versus Arteta because you would say that Arteta aspires to have a style, yeah. and he's trying mm. to make Arsenal into his image, which is essentially a second-grade Pep image. I just see that game, and I think Ancelotti's going to outmanage Arteta and win that game. I think he'll he'll I, he'll give you some surprises. I think Andre Gomez is going to start this game. Nice. Oh, is he back? Is he? He were, They played it behind closed doors. Which, by the way, behind closed doors actually wasn't. It was in a field. Because <laughs> uh, the highlights <laughs> were popped no up on the internet. I was like, oh, interesting watching them play inside. They weren't. But they could still call it behind closed yeah. doors friendly. There's no doors. Um, uh, oh, interesting. They played behind closed doors friendly where Andre Gomez played 60 minutes. And you know who also played? Ellis Sims. Remember me talking oh, about that kid? Yeah, yeah. yeah, for the last few seasons on The Shed, I've spoken about this kid rising through the Everton youth ranks. The kid is now a big man. He right. is huge. He looks like a um, yeti. We're not going to let you talk about yeah, Everton. Anyway, 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 what's your prediction? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't care. Um, we had massive on Everton last Sims, week. Ellis Sims. Uh, Arsenal are going to win this. Oh. oh, after all that? Yeah, because... After all that? Because I'm, I'm a... Like... I'm a seasoned Everton fan. Rog. As soon as you have hope, you one let all. it go. One all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think a bit... I mean, Everton haven't been so good away. Uh, I think it'll be... But I think they'll get a result. I think a draw. Um, let's go on to the Spurs-Villa game. So this was... Jammy bastards. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to call it a clusterfuck of chaos. Because... <laughs> Spurs somehow won 3-2 in the last minute. With a guy with a broken arm scoring two goals. Yes. So, side point, Son's out for the rest of the season, possibly. So, that's great. But Spurs managed to get the win. This game is all about Engels, the centre-back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> an absolute mare. He gives away a penalty. Uh, oh, and that elder penalty. Out of yeah, my yeah, had a pretty good one, too, <laughs> yeah. Gives away a penalty, um, which is definitely a stonewall penalty. Then scores, so gets... Re- Right, revives it, it's all okay. And then at the end, just decides that he's forgotten how to kick a football. And he did look exhausted. You know when you're playing five-a-side and you're so tired, like, I 
can't move my leg. You just but, look her over your shoulder, you, hoping someone's yeah, going to rescue but you. But he just stuck Help! His, <laughs> <laughs> he just stuck his leg in the air, goes straight underneath him, and Son scored a very, very good goal. On the penalty, Yeah, it was given by VAR, mm. obviously. Now, Dean Smith, the Villa manager's come out after the game yeah. and had a massive rant. Now, this is one that I don't understand for the other reason, because this isn't the VAR person, under, you know just watching something and then having a completely different take on it yeah. from reality, not a different opinion to yeah. me, a different take, just can't see what's real. Dean Smith has done the same with this one because he's watched that incident and said there's no way it should be a penalty or being... Now, this to me is prime dinosaur because he's. I think he's just getting angry about VAR. He obviously, yeah. you know, there's a bit of emotion here with the result, but he said, oh, VAR and that, you know, there's no way that should be a penalty. To me, this is a reason why VAR, sh- you know, will prob- will stay. Because it is or it isn't. Because it is, that was like clearly, clearly a penalty. He got nowhere near the ball. And he completely took it no, down. No, but I've, I feel sorry for Villa in this instance. I feel sorry for Dean Smith because I, I think that they were a really good side. They were. And they ran Spurs ragged in the first half. And obviously, Alderweireld had just as much of a mare. Yeah. Um, good finish for his not, goal, though. What, his own goal? Because <laughs> yeah. that was a pretty good finish. Yeah. Yeah. But his, proper, no, his own goal. His, his proper his, goal. Yeah. Actual goal was good. Do you know uh, my favourite moment in this game, though? Go on. was not related to the goal necessarily, but um, uh, Jack Grealish... Slash Lee Hendry, um, on the left hand side going past Alderweireld. Yeah, he just just one. I just keep he keeps surprising me with some of the things he's doing. Grealish. Now he definitely <clears throat> we talk about him being on the dickheadometer, yeah. and he's you know prickometer prickometer. He's <laughs> you know going all right with that, but geez, he can play like he a hundred percent. He is in my hero he, squad at brilliant. the moment. I, I I think I'd have him starting, and I watch him, and he just. One thing that keeps surprising with him is his pace and his acceleration. And he just went, he was on the left touch line. I don't know if you saw this. And he just sort of um, shimmied and then knocked it past out about and absolutely left him for dead. And that is not necessarily what you think of him doing. But then not only did he do that, but then when he got in the position, he played exactly the right pass. And I can't believe the guy hasn't scored. Yeah. But it was, you know, skin your man. Get your head up, pick the perfect pass at the right time, and he had lots of options. And I'm like, that is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I've got, I'm going to say for the first time in maybe my life, mm. but definitely this season, <laughs> maybe my life, I want Villa to stay up. Ooh, I, I feel like I've watched them quite a bit in the last couple of months, and I genuinely think that the they have some limited players. And that is costing them. And Jack Grealish. And Jack Grealish. <laughs> However, the fight and the spirit and the, the intangibles they're showing, I actually really appreciate what they're giving to their cause. I don't really care whether they stay up or not. I'd just like to see Grealish at a bigger club. I... <laughs> oh my God, there can be two more opposite <laughs> I know, opinions. I'd just, I'd just I'm like... sitting here talking about yeah. the, the spirit of the Phoenix rising. No, like, I think no. he can get better. And I'd like to... See, if you, I think if you surround him with some really good players, then I, see, let's see what he can do. I think he's top draw. And you're right, he's quicker than you'd expect. And he's got all the skills in the world. He's six foot two, which I think gets forgotten as well. So he's big. big. He's a big yeah. unit. Um, it's a prick. I don't care. And No, I think he's been captain the whole way through. I think he's really matured as being captain. And to be captain of your club as a 22, 23-year-old and be your best player and carry your whole team shows a maturity, I think. Well, it worked and last year when they did it because he was being a bit petulant and yeah. and they sort of, you know, they put Main the and captain. on him. Yeah. Um, on them going down or staying up, I kind of want them to go down because then he's more likely to come to Man United. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only... No, but they're not just Jack Grealish. You Ming, do need Ming's another inside player. left player, yeah. John. You haven't got very many yeah, no. inside left forwards. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put him in as number eight. Um, so the other two... <laughs> Typically. Yeah. Other games in the Premier League. Wolves-Leicester was nil-nil, so we won't dwell on that one. Oh, Unless there's something you really want to talk about. I'd say it's a missed opportunity for both of them. When you watch that game, uh, I think both teams deserve to win that game. Which mm. you, you'd argue that means it's a fair result being a draw. But I would say that both teams would leave that going, shit, we had chances in that. It's a bit cagey though as well. I think it played out like they both knew it was an opportunity for them, Leicester, to 
you know, really lock themselves in cement top four and Wolves to close the gap. The one random thing that I wanted to talk about on this game very quickly was uh, I read an article this week on uh, Adama Traore. Obviously, he's been great this year. And it was a big article about, you know, his ups and downs as a player and when it all clicked and what have you. But the thing I found really interesting about when it all clicked was that his manager at that time was Tony Pulis. Wow, the uh, exuberance and attacking football that is played by Tony Pulis. Exactly. I just, I saw that and I was like, wow, that is bizarre. Like he... What what clicked? Well, for Traore, (laughs) he is the person that essentially, um, so it was at Middlesbrough and when Pulis was the manager there and it was the first, so before that Traore had been moving around a bit, he's obviously you know, young at Barcelona, Quick. all the talent in the world. Then he's moved around, hasn't quite worked. You know, he's had some issues with his um, final ball. They used to just let him go past because they know that he's not going to be able to cross it. Once, it was a forest gun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a bit of a headless chook and also had some attitude problems. And the guy who essentially resolved all that and got him, you know, really improving and on the path to being the player he is now was Tony Pulis. And I just found that bizarre because if you were to you know, said one, a manager that was like opposed to everything that Traore does, I would say Tony yeah. Pulis. So I just saw that and I was like, that's bizarre. But nice. anyway. I had one thing on this game. There was a volley header was ruled out for offside and there was there was a VAR thing and it was a, an offside that was... A toenail. Three, three phases yeah. behind the yeah, play, but, yeah. But Nuno came out afterwards, Nuno Spirito Santo, the Wolves manager, and just went, oh, it's VAR and it, I don't... Really, really, We'll work it out one day, but for now we just got to go with it. And he just was well, that's very like, philosophical. Yeah. yeah, and he also he said, "Well, it was offside." Yes. Like he goes, yeah. goes well, VAR said it was offside. It was offside. Look at, the, look at the scream. They've had more goals disallowed by VAR than anyone else this year. Should probably six, not be offside. Then, six they? goals. <laughs> well, I, I reckon I can think of at least four off the top of my nah, head. I, dodge. Yeah, but that's a funny old stat because linesmen have been told this year to let things go. So you'd say that last year they wouldn't have had as many goals ruled out from offside because lineos would have put their hand up. Yes. Um, let's move on to the last not offside game. VAR decisions. Oh, VAR decisions. Yeah. Um it's not actually the last game, but there's a reason I said the last game. Burnley beat Southampton in their race for the Champions League. Um, <laughs> a couple of good Looking goals forward to Burnley away at Barcelona. Um, Did you see uh, Viadra's goal in this, though? Vid- Vidra. Vidra. Vidra's winner is brilliant. Yeah. And his first goal in about two years. Yeah, maybe longer. But that's not the goal that matters, Rog. The first goal that matters is um, the one that's straight from the corner, Westwood. Oh, yes. And it comes in, and it's coming straight at Danny Ings, who's on the front post. And all you got to do is just kind of stand Get there. Get in the way. Head yeah. it, kick it, <laughs> knee it. Just, Chest it. And he just lets yeah, it go. He, he's so actively let it go. Yeah, it's like, a real, like, like I'm goes, leaving this. I'm doing this on it was purpose. Like, it was <laughs> like a matador with the cape. It <laughs> yeah. was like, he's, are you ready, keeps? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so this is awkward. We had a bit of a uh, sound fault. I think it was all Roger Gibbs' fault. Um, but now we're back. And I think we were talking about Danny Ings being awful um, and letting a goal in against Burnley. Um, but we're going to move on to side stories. Roger, what have you got? Have you got anything? Seamlessly on to side stories. I've got, yeah, I've got a side story. Lionel Messi's crap. What? One, <laughs> do you know he has? Uh, he didn't score at the weekend, so he now hasn't. Does that scored. mean he's crap? Does that mean he's crap? Is that it? Just one week. Hasn't scored for four games in a row. Awful. Wow. Awful. It's the first time that's happened since October 2013 to January 2014. The next Whoa. Joe Linton. Um, Sorry, Joe Linton's crap, isn't he? <laughs> 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 Can we just acknowledge that? <laughs> Just as One a, goal a side note, season. he had uh, set up their last six goals in the league. Joel Linton? Uh, no, Messi. No, so whilst he may not be an unreliable goal scorer, he does contribute other things. Yeah, but he didn't cost 40 million like Joel Linton. He cost nothing, just shin spurs or whatever. Oh, definitely on the way down, Messi. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jeff, do you have any side stories? Um, Haaland scored again in the Champions League. Did you see Haaland he, scored again, John? I, mean, he I know that he's close to your heart. Did yes. you see that um, Haaland won Player of the Month in the Bundesliga? Yes. Haaland scored five goals last month and played a grand total of 60 minutes. And got Player of the Month. And got Player of the Month. That is a it's goal every ridiculous. 12 minutes. He's, uh, currently, he scored more goals in the Champions League this season than Barcelona as a whole team. 
He what? has scored 11. Barcelona scored 10. He scored 11. It was two different clubs. Yes. So this is the first season. So this is interesting. So previously, if you played for Champions League in the group stage, mm. you couldn't move in January and play for someone else. You cup tied. But UEFA decided to change because probably someone's making because money. Because they're corrupt <laughs> bastards, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so he's played seven games, six yeah. for Salzburg and one for Dortmund, scored 11 goals. That is insane. He's also got 11 goals in seven games for Dortmund, six hat-tricks this year, 39 goals in total. He's only 19, by the way. In the Bundesliga, he's averaging a goal every 41 minutes. What? Yeah. <laughs> he's the eighth top scorer in the league. Despite playing less than like ninety minutes or something, you know, yeah. something crazy. He's only played five games. Yeah, wow. I, I mean, I, um, I what just have a feeling like he's going to go at the end of the year. Someone's going to. It's going to be one of the most bizarre signings ever. Dortmund will have him for less than a year, and someone will sign him. Probably Man United for one hundred fifty million. Now, Dortmund convinced Sancho to stay for another year. Dortmund will convince that kid. Dortmund make superstars. They don't buy them. He, but I just watch him, and he. I mean, yes, you know, he scores the goals and he just looks like he wants to his score goal goals, mor- but there's more to him than that. His second goal this morning is so good. Yeah. Like, there's, it just rolls, he gets it onto his left. He's just, on the edge of the box. It, it was like a Mane finish. Like, oh, I'll just watch yeah, it. No, no thought it. process. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. They're just my favourite type of finish. Yeah. He, he, he just looks amazing. Yeah. Um, any more side stories? Yeah, a couple. You've seen Everton have um, cancelled their sponsorship with Sports Pezza. Yes, the yeah. Ken- Kenyan gambling firm. I, I kind of feel like they've just been rummaging through the old Man City case files. And quickly cleaning De- up. Yep, deleting all of the emails that say Usmanov and cancelling sponsorships on many <laughs> continents. So true. <laughs> That's exactly what I feel. Panic. Oh, get rid of that. Oh, old control delete. Yes. <laughs> yep, just wanted to highlight that one before it goes to court. <laughs> Are we uh, ready for end game? No, yes. the, the last, oh, oh, last sorry, one. Jeff, sorry, yeah. and it's not it's not a happy one. But did you see the the racial abuse in the Porto match this week? The Portuguese league, yeah, yeah the Portuguese league. So the um, what's his name, uh, Mariga? Yeah, uh, sorry, I'm, sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Who was basically subject to incredible abuse all game scored a goal and the opposing fans uh, started ripping up chairs, throwing them onto the pitch. He celebrated his goal by putting one of the chairs on his head and like, trying yeah. to make a joke out of it and like danced around. And 10 minutes later, the chance became pretty disgusting and he just lost it, lost it and, and walked off. Yeah. The teammates tried to keep him on the pitch, walked off just... Comp- you could see that the bloke, well, he wasn't shattered, he was angry. Yeah. And... um. His manager spoke to him, just like held him, two hands on the head, held him, looked him in the eye, asked him what what his thoughts were, and then straight away just went right sub sub someone else on. Um, but the thing that I wanted to to talk about with this, I'm not going to bang on about racism too much. I think we do, we do it too often. Is the difference between this and situations that have happened in the last few years? It has been so widely and broadly condemned by everybody. And so much so that Benfica came out with a tweet and condemned this. If you understand Portuguese football, Benfica and Porto do not communicate. They do not tweet about each other. They do not acknowledge each other. They have different newspapers. They do not talk about each other. Mm. They are independent entities. However, for Benfica to come out and condone... Sorry, to... To, to, to say, to, no, to say this, this, is this, is, this is terrible. This shouldn't be in the game. I feel sorry for the bloke. That just doesn't happen. Now, it makes me think about... Um, you know, we're, The rhetoric is that this is happening more and more in football and it's disgusting. But actually, I feel like there are three instances this weekend. One in League Two, I think... Uh, um, Anyway, without pulling them all out of, out of thin air, I feel like there is an awareness now. People are standing up for it now, and people are being more outspoken about it now, which means that this stuff used to happen. You know, Ian Wright said that he yeah. used to get racially abused every week, but no one really gave a shit, so it was never yeah. talked about. It was never in the papers. It was never on the front page. But right now, if this happens, these tweets go around the world. This is on Instagram around the world. Now, this poor bloke had a real tough game, but I just wanted to highlight that yeah. he had a tough game, and the whole world is saying... This is not good enough. Yeah. That is very different to even five years ago 
where it was, mm, what do we do about it? And we wouldn't have... It's the Portuguese league. Like, it's not even one of the big five leagues in Europe. And it's getting worldwide coverage and everyone sees it. Um, I really enjoyed his tweet afterwards where he came out and was just like, everyone who was in there, go fuck yourselves. I hate you all. Like, you're all cunts. Fuck off. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, good on you. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. And it's player power because they have a medium now and they can talk. So I do, I do think that... I don't want to highlight this as a racial instrument, even though it was. What I want to highlight is there is a change to the way we are reacting to these things, and I view that positively. Yeah. It, it's almost like you're watching the Me Too movement and you're going, well, no, there aren't more sexual assaults right now, but people are just talking about it. Yes. That can only be positive for the handling of instances like that. Hell yeah. Um, let's move on to the end game. So, are we ready? Last week, I won. Okay. Last week was pretty epic, Raj. I was, I was listening back. I was like, this is, this is pretty... Um, pretty epic I'm still a bit sad so that makes me the quiz master this week so the scores are Roger's on 7 points I'm on 5 Jeff's on 5 so big week big week Jeff mm-hmm. now the big game next week is Chelsea against Tottenham so I've gone for a Chelsea Spurs game now does anyone remember that game when Leicester won the league and Spurs were kind of still in it and then choked against Chelsea. Battle of the bridge. And got really angry and started kicking everyone. And they got nine yellow cards. It finished two all. It was on the 3rd of May 2016. So four years ago. The managers were Gus Hiddink and Pochettino. Gus Hiddink. Because that was the year Jose Mourinho left the second time. They went, oh, what do we do when we fire Jose? Oh, we get Gus Hiddink in. Um, and... Jeff, you can go first. Goose Hiddink and Poch, was it? Goose Hiddink and Poch, 2016. Can you name the starting 11s? Uh, Eden Hazard. Ooh. He came off the bench. Fucking hell, that was a risky start. Go again. Uh, Diego Costa. Correct. Harry Kane. Correct. Deli Alley. Deli Alley is not in there. No! He must have been injured or suspended. Oh, and you're kidding me. You're kidding me. Rog, you've got to get one right. I've got so many more on my list. I've got like. The Tongan. The Tongan is correct. Oh, you're See, I told you that the more recent ones are harder because they have bigger squads and they change their team more mm. often. They have squad rotation. So Chelsea played Begovic in goal, Ivanovic, Cahill, Terry, Aspilicueta, or however he's pronounced. Azpil- yeah, no, that was good. I thought that was perfect. Oh, good. Uh, John Obi Mikel, Nemanja Matic, Willian, Fabregas, Pedro, and Costa. Fabregas. Spurs was Larice, Vertonghen, Alderweireld. Walker and Rose, Dembele Dyer, Lamella, Eriksson, Son, and Kane. That is basically Spurs' team now. Mm. It's exactly the same. That's so the it's thing. why Spurs have gone wrong. I yeah, think, that's the problem, like, isn't it? Yeah. Where, was, the... where was Stelly? Because he would have been there, wouldn't he? Or yeah, was... he must have been suspended or injured. Yeah. Um, it's a bit unlucky, I think, because would... he is definitely on my list. for Spurs' Spurs. team is the same, although listen to their bench. Mason, Vaughan, Unji, Chadley, Wimmer, Carroll, Davis. They've improved their bench. That's well, good on Spurs for improving their bench over the last four years. What an achievement. Yes, big win. Um, so that puts you on eight, Rog, and oh, you'll be Games Master next week. God damn it. <laughs> Jeff, I've, I have a feeling this has been a bit of a streak now. When did you last win a game? I've last been struggling. Year. I'm going to go with yeah. last year. I think it was Super last struggling. year. Yeah. I came, off, came out of the blocks and I was smashing to do some revision yeah I thought I thought I was do you know what I did today <laughs> I looked up the Portsmouth FA Cup winning final team because I thought oh well John you know last week we were talking about <laughs> Bolton right <laughs> so I was like so a natural progression would be to go okay a bit you know maybe 2010 oh yeah remember when Portsmouth won the FA Cup so I did some I did some research I was like oh yeah remember that Portsmouth team I bet John's going to go Portsmouth FA Cup final winning so I could I could nail that one. There was no Portsmouth and no FA Cup to mention this No, week. I just thought that, that you might do that. <laughs> Don't you think that you could have had a chance to Don't do that? Don't question Jeff's brain. No. Carney scored. 1-0. Yeah. 
Um, has anyone got anything before we go? Crancher. Crancher. <laughs> Nico Crancher. Crancher. <laughs> Crancher. Play for Spurs. And Jermaine no, Defoe. Crouch didn't play. Didn't yeah. play that game. Oh. Oh, that's why I wanted to Did Matty Taylor play? No, after he you brought him up for Bolton. Shaka Hislop in goal. Yeah, Shaka Hislop. Kevin with Sol Campbell and Sylvan Distan at the back. It's a good team. FA Cup winners. Anyway, we better go. Um, thanks for listening everyone we're sorry for the uh, sound hiccup in the middle but hopefully it all is smooth and you'll never notice and we're just telling you now and you'll wonder what People I'm trying about wonder what you're talking about John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thanks for listening we will be back next week um, don't forget if you want to get in contact or ask us questions um, or tell us we're wrong about something just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com and we'll have a full round back to normal next week full round of games next week back to normal